All right, welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Growlin, Paul Inger Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic. Excited to be with you on a Thursday as we get ready for the AFC Championship game. Bengals and the Chiefs on Sunday at 6.30 on CBS. Everyone's favorite, Tony Romo on the call, along with Jim Nance, Tracy (laughs) Wilson. Jay Feely's called into action. Sterator, all hands on deck for the AFC Championship game. Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, part four, part two in the AFC Championship. Five straight home AFC Championship games for the Chiefs. Whew. Big old big one this Sunday, Jay. Ankle watch. Ankle I mean, watch. it's uh, you, th- there are some weeks when you're like, holy cow, I can't believe it's Thursday already, the game. And then there are some weeks like it's only Thursday. I mean, it's just it, it, it seems like the game is still way off. Um, it, and I guess that's what happens when it's a big game and you start looking at every single uh, element, every single matchup. Uh, there is a lot to get into. I know everybody is focused on on Patrick Mahomes' ankle and what that's going to mean. But there are so many other layers and matchups and just specific things that are really going to play important roles in how this game plays out. All right, conspiracy theorists, throw away all your research on DeMar Hamlin clone. Get rid of it. (laughs) The real conspiracy is Patrick Mahomes was never really injured. It's all a hoax. It's all a hoax. (laughs) Full practice for Patrick Mahomes. Videos of him looking pretty fine. Uh, so appears to be very little fret happening in Kansas City. We'll see what he looks like when he actually has to go play. Uh, but you know, if from a Kansas City front, Patrick Mahomes looking pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. The fact that he was a full participant in practice, I think, is uh, a pretty big deal uh, for them. And yeah, the videos have shown him um, looking all right. And so Patrick Mahomes watches. Patrick Mahomes is, is is looking good. The line has shifted in turn. Bengals back to underdogs, which I'm sure Zach Taylor's excited about and will mention on Saturday night. Bengals back to a plus one underdog at Arrowhead. Not Burrowhead. Yeah. I, I've never seen a line move around as much as this one has. <laughs> it's crazy. And it I mean, it makes sense, but um, you know, we'll, we'll hear from our friend Nate Taylor. Uh, he has some thoughts on those practice videos, and uh, he watched practice in person. Um, so it is. I, I had said on Tuesday's pod that maybe you could see a scenario where maybe Patrick Mahomes doesn't even practice this week, that they save him for Sunday. And obviously that is not happening as he was. I was surprised to see him listed as a full participant. Um, also, uh, we felt like, you know what, big week, big game historical moments here in Bengals history is, you know, we, which all, I guess all moments in Bengals history are historical. Those are terrible by me, but uh, big moments in Bengals history here. When that happens, you got to go to the King. I mean, the, yeah. the wrote the book uh, on Bengals history. And that is uh, our good friend and yours. Jeff Hobson of Bengals.com is going to join us here in a little bit. He's going to join us from the car, Jay. I hope we don't <laughs> live record anything terrible happening jeff jeff is the opposite of me i remember i was late to come into the stadium we take the same path to the stadium now that he lives in butler county as well and there was one day i was just cussing and spitting at this guy blocking the left lane and i finally get around him it's like oh that's butch so (laughs) we 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 know he will be driving at a reasonable speed while he's talking to us well we hope so uh on the Bengals side of things uh 
Ted Karras full practice on Wednesday. No Jonah Williams or Alex Kappa. Kappa walking around with just a wrap on his foot, so he's moving in the right direction. We've gone scooter boot wrap uh, for him, but I, yeah, look does not look good for Williams or Kappa to come back this week. But I would say positive trends towards a potential Super Bowl uh, return uh, for one or both of those. We'll see. Um, but yeah, most mostly good, mostly healthy. Um, practice report for the Bengals, just a few guys just getting their normal rest. Uh, outside of that, uh, nothing major to speak of. Trey Flowers was limited, uh, so um, but trending in the right direction for him to potentially return and take on Travis Kelsey or, if not, Dax Hill. But either way, um, not not a ton of news, a lot of, a lot of media, a lot of people talking, and, uh, and a lot to discuss. But as far as hard news, um, not, not really a whole lot coming out of Bengals land right now. One thing I want to bring, I want to start at, I want to start here before we get to Butchie, Jay, and it's a little bit more of a perspective. You know, we have a lot of game analysis that I think that we want to run through here in this, and we're going to obviously get into a ton of that, especially with Nate and Butch. But um, I want to start with some perspective about how this time feels different. You know, last year I remember writing – after the Bengals won the AFC Championship game last year, and, and about the concept of you know Zach Taylor saying it on the podium and and it being really the truth was that it'll never be like this again. It'll never be the first time again. It'll never the the fir- the, the first time through something like that um, is just unique. It's just different, and that's what struck me this week is how this feels like what it's supposed to be, how this feels like business, as not as usual, but business as expected. And there's not a feeling of, man, this is just a special run that we're on, right? Mm-hmm. There's a feeling of a team that feels like the damn Terminator. It's just, it is, it is calculated, it is merciless, and it is here to plow through everything in their path. And there's no sense of, uh, of, of a wild, fun, serendipitous um, run through the playoffs. Yeah, and I think they feel that as well. I mean, mm-hmm. you've seen this kind of flip where you, you wrote about it, the year in disrespect and, you know, nobody's giving us credit and they're using all these chips on their shoulder. And it really kind of flipped after that Buffalo game, the, the Mike <laughs> Hilton Burrowhead comments and Eli going after. They, It's almost like they're, they're feeling themselves – I don't want to say a little too much, but it, it's definitely different coming. And I guess that's to be expected when you dominate a team the way they did in a divisional playoff game. But they've they've gone from last year this surprising, plucky underdog kind of run to now people respecting them, viewing them as a good team to really within the last couple weeks, maybe since they started uh, uh, spouting off about the, the cheap shots with the Ravens, it's they're 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 teetering toward villain status now where I think a sure. lot of people outside the Cincinnati see this team, not as, you know, every, everybody was so enamored with the way they handled the, the DeMar Hamlin situation with such class and, and all every, Joe Burrow saying all the right things, Zach Taylor saying all the right things. And it's, you're seeing it turn a little bit now where I think a lot of people outside of Cincinnati might be rooting against the Bengals instead of for them this weekend. 
Yeah, maybe. I, I don't, and I don't know how much that matters. I think when you get to this level, I mean, teams have attitudes, they have personalities, they have yeah. overconfidence, they they have people that talk trash. Like every single, t- I, don't, I don't, all that stuff. I think is for us to fill time with during the week, and like whether they're viewed as a villain or not. I mean, yeah, I I saw the the Yahoo story on that, and it's like, okay, I get, yeah, I mean, that's fine. Um, I get that, but I think when it comes down to actually talking about, no, no one will, no one will care uh, once they play the game because w- once it becomes time to play the game, you know, it's it's Burrow and Mahomes, it's it's Anna Rumo versus Reed and Bienemy and Mahomes and company, and it's it's all of these things. I just, you know, I just think that this feels like a team, yeah, <laughs> that is bulldozing their way to a title. You know what I mean? And and when we talked about. You know the the NCAA tournament analogy of when a team finds some crazy way to sneak by an early round game and then they just catch fire off of it and you can say oh that was their lucky play and 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 they end up with a, you know winning a national title like it it felt like that after what happened in Buffalo with the way they won it in against Baltimore and the fact that they've won ten in a row and and how convincing they've been when on top of their game I mean if they they play if they play their a minus, at least an A minus game. I I don't think that they lose a game. I don't think they lose. You know, I mean, there's, I think the talent that they have, the level that they've proven they can play at their their peaks. Um, it's it's a special group, and part of that, Jay, is how quickly they have throttled teams. Yeah. You know, this has shifted. We you had the Morrison drives <laughs> at the beginning of the year. The long history. This was not something invented. This was at the time you did it. It was like a fifty-four drive sample of Joe Burrow being a and the Bengals being a completely different team in their first and second drives of the game versus the rest of the game, and it was startling numbers. I mean, one eighty degrees, and now they have become a team that comes out early, that jumps on opponents, and you wrote about it with the coin flip. Mm-hmm. concept a couple weeks ago being part of that but they have become this team that when they do that when they show up and jump on teams early they win they choke them out they do i mean it, it we talked about it earlier in the year where the all these double digit comebacks that they would have and yeah they didn't finish a couple of them off but it's you knowing you have that that you have a quarterback in Joe Burrow and you have a team that can do that is it, it's comforting, but everybody knows it's not sustainable, and they have. They have just totally flipped it. Ten and zero now when they score a touchdown in the first quarter. Um, they're seven and zero this year when they score a touchdown on their opening drive. If you go back to last year, they've won eleven straight games when they get a touchdown on their opening drive. It's just you saw it in Buffalo. I mean, they were up fourteen to nothing before Buffalo had a first down. It was just. You, you can, even against really good teams, you can bury them with that kind of start. And the, the, the la- it's, it, it kind of goes without saying because they are so good in the first quarter, but this really surprised me. The, the last four games in the first quarter, they are 14 of 17 on third down. That I mean, that's just an insane comp- conversion percentage. And the Two of the ones they didn't get were third and tens, and then the other one was the third and seven when Burrow got sacked. I think it was one of the very last plays of the first quarter Sunday in Buffalo. 
they're just they're coming out of the gate. It does go back to that coin flip thing where they know they're going to get the ball first, and they just set the tone immediately. Um, the interesting thing here is Chiefs are kind of the same way. Um, they, they've won five in a row when they score a touchdown on their opening drive, and 14 of 15 going back to last year. The one when they didn't, last year's AFC Championship game. Wow. Jay, you got stats. <laughs> Always. Uh, it, there's – and the the thing is, it's not just early throttling, and it's 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 just this rising to the moment of big games is a part of this too, you know. And that's mm-hmm. th- their ability to do that. I I want to bring in one audio clip here um, of this is Brian Callahan, and he's he's kind of talking about Joe Burrow leading the charge on that, and and just how he is. And what the demeanor of this week versus previous weeks and in the approach to big games uh, kind of makes them so focused and dynamic. He's the same guy all the time, which is what makes him unique, which I think is what makes our team unique, is that this feels like any other week, truthfully. Um, it's just sort of the 20th week in a row we've been doing it. And that speaks to their consistency. You know, the, the approach is consistent. They practice well. They approach every Wednesday the same, every Thursday the same. And Joe's the exact same guy from when we were 0-2 to right now. You would see no difference uh, in his focus, in his demeanor. He still knows how to he's, – he's not tight. He's, really, he's always loose. He likes to have fun in the meeting room. He likes to talk about a bunch of different things, and he gets his work in when it's time to get his work in. And um, But that's what makes him special is he doesn't have – there is no up and down with him. He's the same. He's consistent. I and mean, I think our team is that way too from kind of top to bottom. Um, guys that, that understand that that's the difference a lot of the time is just – you don't overreact to anything. You just keep doing your work and um, go out Sunday and play well. And I think that that's how Joe is. That was Brian Callahan. You know, and look, 0-2 week feels the same as AFC Championship week. And everybody falls in line with that. You know, that focus, that everything feeling the same and keeping it normal, it keeps everyone calm. It keeps everyone confident and and everyone, you know, ready to go and take take over from the very beginning. And that focus has shown, I mean, how he was essentially perfect um, at the beginning of that game um, is is remarkable. I mean, we all roll our eyes at the, the the cliche of one game at a time, but it really is how you have to approach it, and teams get in trouble when they don't do it that way. And this team has done a great job of – Zach mentioned it in his press conference on Monday that trying to beat a team four times in a row. He said, we have to beat them one time in a row. This The past doesn't matter – Whatever potential Super Bowl matchup is lingering out there doesn't matter. All that matters is playing the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. And to some regard, all that matters going into that game is is that opening drive. And then you, you worry about the second drive after that and the third drive after that. And they have done a really good job of compartmentalizing what they need, the focus, keeping it granular right at the moment and not, not – I mean, yes – 10 in a row, there's momentum that comes with that. You, you start feeling yourself like we talked about a little bit earlier, but they're, they're not they're not resting on that, um, nor are they looking ahead at all. It's it's right on Arrowhead on Sunday. It's and you know, these these big games are are part it's kind of an extension of the core borough trait, right? Which is high leverage, big stakes. He's at his best. I mean, that's like Joe Burrow 101 that we've talked about for years, but I want to bring up some. Gee, I want to have stats. You know, I just yeah. I, I feel intimidated. 
being here and not like feeling like I have enough to, to bring to the table in the stats department. So I have some good ones. Now, these are ones I have used before, but I've updated them and contextualized. Because what good is a stat without an update or context, Jay? It's no good, and you know that. <laughs> so here's, what I, here's the point. High leverage moments. When we start talking about what this game is going to come down to, it is going to be high. These teams... They both are used to having to matriculate the ball down the field. Jay, you have the stats about first downs, right? Mm-hmm. How many? What? What? How many? The Bengals had thirty first downs against Buffalo, um, which I believe was the most the Bills have ever given up. I saw thought I saw that stat. I can't. I thought I saw that from somebody else, but that it's still a lot. Uh, what's the stat on that? So there there were eleven games this year where teams had at least thirty first downs in a in a game. Um, five of those 11 were the Bengals and the Chiefs. The Bengals yeah. did it three times. The Chiefs did it twice. So matriculate the ball down the field, be efficient, get first downs. It's what it is, right? High leverage red zone is is what this has come down to, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's it's what so many of these Bengals games come down to because they, ha- they have these long drives now. Cashing them in, being so good in the red zone is so huge. We've talked about Joe Burrow, high leverage. I try to tweet it every time. With the, with the sirens, okay? Mm-hmm. High leverage alert. Red zone third downs, the four-point plays that swing games, that determine outcomes, happens all the time. Third down, red zone. You never know when it's going to come. It could come in the first quarter. It could come on the first drive. There's going to be two to three of these a game. Third down in the red zone. Joe Burrow, first in EPA per drop back this year with 0.82. The Vikings are second at 0.79. Kansas City is third all the way back at 0.36. That's how far ahead (laughs) Burrow is. Ten touchdowns, no interceptions, no sacks on third downs in the red zone. Passer rating of 122.1, which is first. Next best, 114.2. Okay? He has been a killer in those situations. And they've been game changers. All right? Let's go through some examples of those. Against Buffalo, they had three three such plays. One, the touchdown to Hurst. Okay? You had a first down to Jamar Chase, which led to the third down and 11. That was the overturned touchdown. That was a jiggle away mm-hmm. of the ball from being one of his greatest throws, really was one of his greatest throws, just unfortunately didn't count. end up counting for seven. But, uh, I mean, unbelievable precision in, in a huge high-leverage moment. Against Kansas City in the first game, they had three plays that were red zone third downs. The first touchdown to Higgins, conversion for a touchdown. A first down to Boyd. The play after the first down to Boyd was the Chris Evans game-winning touchdown. Mm-hmm. And then they had another one that was an incompletion to Boyd. Two out of three basically led to touchdowns. Now let's flip it. I should mention the Kansas City game last year, the chase touchdown towards the end, third down, of course. Um, They had a third and 15 check down that uh, didn't really count in an incompletion, but that had the touchdown. Let's flip it. In the Super Bowl, they had two such plays against the Rams. A sack. And an incompletion to Higgins, the one that they argued maybe there was a tug and could have been the, well, the early drive, hmm. um, didn't get didn't get the call. And then look, Baltimore gave them everything they could handle, right? Needed needed the miracle, the uh, 
the Hubbard Yard Dash, the Fumble in the Jungle, whatever, to win. Baltimore, two such plays. Both did not convert. A third and 10 incompletion and a third and eight that only went for six yards, Tyler Boyd. You know, these are the moments. Early in the game, throttling teams, high leverage red zone, the, the makeup of this game, these two teams, those, again, they, they favor Burrow. And that's why this team keeps winning. They favor Burrow. He's as good as it gets in those. But those are the ones to when you when you start talking about what to look for and why you why you feel good, why this team feels so confident. Because he's just he's Joe Cool in those moments, and it's proven across the stats. And oh, by the way, last week, Buffalo, number two red zone defense in the league. This week, Kansas City, number thirty-one. They are not stopping people in the red zone, uh, so it just makes it more important to keep that role going. And those stat, those third down, or third down stats you mentioned are are amazing on the surface. But if you really think about it, because I remember writing about this last year, writing about all the sacks Burrow took and how some sacks aren't the same, and he was adamant about the fact that a third down sack in the red zone is no big deal because you get you figure you're going to get a, a field goal out of it anyhow. You're willing to hold the ball longer to wait for something to come open. And what you just mentioned, not a single sack in the red zone in that sample. It's just it, not a single third down sack. Um, it, it, it's amazing what they've been able to put together. Well, and so much of that is, is, is just the how quickly he is, you know, processed – what he's seeing out there. Pitch talked about that on Tuesday with us about just the he's seeing things so quick that instead of it turning into a and partially this goes back to protection, right? And play calls and who they are as a team now. But he also sees things so quick that it doesn't end in a sack. He ends up giving somebody a chance. Maybe it doesn't convert. But, you know, it maybe it just it checks to Pirine or it or underneath the hearse and see what can see if they can make something happen, right? And sometimes they do. Sometimes yeah. they have. And and that makes all the difference. I mean, a chase. This wasn't a red zone, but it ch- that chase third down conversion in the first Kansas City game. Again, you're just giving a guy a chance to go break tackles and 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 make guys miss for the extra effort to reach out. That that's been so much a part of them converting those those types of plays um, are really ones that make a big difference. All right, let's take a pause from that conversation um, and let's get into some context. But first, uh, let's do a quick ad break and then we will uh, we will hop in with our good friend and yours, Jeff Hobson. All right, now moving on in the uh, in this big AFC Championship game edition uh, of Here That Podcast, Carolyn. Big game, you got to go for big names. Big games yes. are all about big names, and that's why our good friend and yours, Jeff Hobson, is here. That's very kind of you. I have to be very good on this because my daughter, as you know, Carrie is an avid listener, and uh, ah. the young, uh, uh, her uh, recent uh, 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 Draft pick, uh, number one draft pick, uh, Freddie Miller is nine and zero as a Bengal fan. So I, I have to be wow. very good on this uh, broadcast. Marrying into success, yeah. <laughs> everything has changed. Everything has yeah, turned. Right, that's right. Um, I want to. I want to start on that note a little bit with you, but you, you know, you are the perfect person to ask about any day in Bengals history. You literally wrote the book. Um, these 10 wins, these, this 10 game stretch that has led us to this moment, Sunday and Arrowhead, I, I think have to be inarguably the greatest run in Bengals team history right now. Would you agree? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, they've never been 10-0. and 0. And uh, look at how they've done it. I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, uh, how many guys would have walked out of the stadium when, uh, you know, Jamaat Chase fumbled in New England, you know, or uh, or the uh, uh, going down 17-0 to the GOAT? I mean, yeah. you know, these guys uh, talk about, you know, talk about something that needs a heavy rewrite. I think that book does. <laughs> yeah, there, there's, a, there's a lot of new – there's a lot of new – best days in Bengals history that have come from this year alone I mean January is full of nothing but things from the last two years at this point as good as they've been and there's been a lot to like in this 10 game win streak what what do you see as the possible downfall what's your biggest concern going into this game I know the offensive line had a lot of questions last game and they they really did answer them Um, where, where do you see the, the possible weakness that could be exposed this week that, that the Bengals need to worry about. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it's a weakness on their part, but you obviously got to be careful of Mahomes going off to Kelsey. He hasn't done that against them, right. but he always could. And uh, I guess the other thing that, that kind of worries me is this team tends to uh, – it kind of goes through stretches offensively. You know, they'll look terrific for five series and then – Maybe you don't see him for the rest of the day, you know, and I kind of, you know, it looked like they kind of conquered that uh, last Sunday in Buffalo. They were, you know, I think they kind of took their their foot off the gas a little bit to milk the clock, you know. But that uh, that one thing that does worry me, and it was kind of goes back to early in the year when and even and even in December, like uh, the Tampa Bay, New England, uh, Baltimore run there where uh, which was a tougher run than I think people think. But, you know, they had a bad half, a good half, you know, maybe a good, uh, you know, a good two and a half quarters. And I think they just got to string together the offense. You know, it's uh, I think you got to get to 30 out there, you know. Well, they haven't needed to get to 30 the last couple times they've played them, yeah. though, you know, 27-24, right? It's maybe get to 27 is the number at this point. Yeah, that's a good number. Yeah, that's a good number. Yeah. They haven't, you know, they uh, – the first time they got to 27 in a while i think uh, yeah um but you know but no you're exactly right and that's because i mean hell the defense what in uh in six playoff games they've given up 18 points mm-hmm. i mean i mean wow yeah no it's it, that's just that we always end up starting with burrow and the weapons and yep. offense and so much of the conversation but really what has again now for the second year in a row carried them to this point has been Lou Anarumo and this experienced intelligent Bengals defense what's what stands out to you about how you know I'm kind of writing this how they've created this monster really that is this malleable adaptive does all these different things like it that takes time that takes a brand of person what has impressed you about the way they've built this Butchie well, I think you have to have vision, you know, and that's always the toughest thing, Paul. You hit it right on the head. You have to marry vision with execution, you know, and that's, uh, you know, that's tough. I mean, you know, you can you can go in there and throw all, you know, you can go to the draft room and throw around all the homilies, you know, uh, oh, versatile and, uh, you know, he's going to be able to run and, okay, we get it, but how do you use them? You know, well, they got them. I mean, they, they, I mean, Lou obviously said, after 2020, look, I can't win with these guys. You know, I'm sure that that discussion was had, and uh, and they responded. I mean, I think uh, not only did the, the 
the scouts respond, but the coaches respond by putting them in the right place. You know, uh, you know, I think probably, you know, to me, the thing has evolved too. He's got different guys doing different things that they didn't do last year, you know? And, uh, I don't know. I, that's the thing, you know, that strikes me is how they were able to marry the execution with the vision. Cause you need, you need all three floors working there. You need the scouts and, uh, you need the, uh, you need the, uh, you need the owners and you need the coaches. And even in the best of organizations, that's had to pull off and they've done, and they've done it because when you can, uh, when you can put Dax Hill, you know, against, uh, um, Dawson Knox on a key third down play uh, in an AFC divisional. That's pretty good. That 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 doesn't happen then. That happens in, you know, that happens in in February when you're coming up with your draft board. He fits you. You know, probably at that. Ironically, at that at the end of that draft there, there's probably two guys that best fit the Bengals at that point. Uh, Dax Hill and the kid from Purdue that ended up going to Kansas City. Kansas City, who they'll see this week, you know. But that, that's what I think they've done. They've said, "Here's what we want on defense," and they've—that's who they've gone after, and they haven't gone after anybody else. Everybody fits a, uh, everybody fits what uh, Lou wants. So, so you've covered how they got to this point with that defense, with what Lou's put together, the pieces they've brought in. I'm going to let you. Uh, kind of write your cover letter and resume here to be Lou's replacement if he moves on and gets a head coaching job somewhere. How how should they attack what will be the level? We don't know, but it will definitely be a compromise. Patrick Mahomes, you know Lou can go in any certain way, any different way of, of, a, of a game plan against this team and against Mahomes. What do you think the, the best tact will be on Sunday? Uh, pressure him, sit back like they did in the championship game, little of both. How, how do you see them going after him? Can he take the exact same thing he did in the second half of the AFC title game? And I, I, I obviously you can't do that because you know because you know Mahomes has probably looked at ever since that day. You know he's probably looked at that tape. You know uh, because it, you know it gnaws at him that second half of that AFC title game, how they shut him down. But I would imagine. You know, they pretty much did the same thing, but I think he's pretty much kind of held true to how he attacks Mahomes. It's it's a little, I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the same package that stopped him on the doorstep in the AFC title game, um, and this is what Lou does great, uh, you know, dropping eight, uh, spying him with Hubbard, you know, and they used that same concept on the last drive in the December 4th game, yet with a little wrinkle. There was a there was a little wrinkle there, but the concept's still the same. Drop eight, and you know, cover your bleep off, you know, uh, because he's going to, uh, you know, if if anybody gets behind you, he'll he'll find them. And so, I think we'll see a mix. You know, I think we'll still see a mix of that. I mean, you gotta you gotta believe he's going to be dropping those eight guys, and uh, you know, it's that that you know the you know the uh, fumble of the jungle kind of kind of uh now that's what everybody's going to remember about hubbard but i'll probably remember hubbard for those two consecutive sacks uh in the title game and when he was uh you know basically a spy he was, well, the world's largest spy i happen to be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's do, let's wrap it up with this give me um one an unlikely hero 
Um, maybe this year's Trent Taylor, right? I mean, uh, right. but give me an give me an unlikely hero and who has to be the likely hero, non-Borough division, of course, yeah. um, for the Bengals to come out of Arrowhead with a second straight trip to the Super Bowl. You know, why don't we pop out uh, Dante Smith? Uh, they used him a lot as the extra tackle. You know, the guys played four NFL games. You know, the run, they ran the ball so well. you got to believe that that's going to be a theme, you know, and because uh, – Listen, ankle or no ankle, what didn't they say? Mahomes uh, kind of jumped off the podium yesterday uh, when he did his. Uh, he, he's got a bad ankle, like well, I got a bad ankle, but nature did that. But he's going to be fine. So, you know, one of these things is to keep the ball away from him. And you know, I love the running game. So, give me a little Dante Smith uh, to maybe be that third tackle. Because, and I think the guy who's going to be the guy we're going after, the guy we're trying to get to. There's going to be ten guys deep, and it's and and if and if he, he and if he does come through, there'll be a lot of cigar smoke. It's going to be Joe Mixon, I think. Yeah. Go back to the overtime uh, last year. That was Joe Mixon's overtime. He ran into the Super Bowl, and I think if he if he does another twenty for a buck oh five with Dante Smith in the mix, you know, uh, get a match. <laughs> Least stunning development ever is that. And that question was, run the ball. Yeah. Wasn't it a beautiful thing, though, in Buffalo? It was a beautiful thing. I, I, was, I was sure that no one could have appreciated the way that that went down more than you, Butchie. Butchie, I appreciate you, of course, as always, taking time to uh, out of your day while driving across uh, this great city to catch up with us and uh, look forward to seeing you uh, down at the stadium later today. Hey, look, it's an honor to be on with you guys. You guys do a hell of a job. You're the cream of the crop, and uh, Josh Allen never looks so good in a packer. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Butch. You have a good one. Thanks, Thanks Butch. Thanks, guys. See you down here. Yep. All right, Jeff Hobson uh, of Bengals.com <laughs> offering – Offering, I, I love, I love how on brand Butchie always is. You know, it's Deontay Smith and Joe Mixon, baby. It's just all the way. I mean, but it, look, it's we. What did we say uh, this week? And I think there's, I think there's a lot of truth to that. When the running game is as efficient as it has been, is when the coordinators throw their arms up. And I think that's the point here. Is if that's what ends up happening, that that is what ends up being the difference. Yeah, the uh, running the ball against Chris Jones though, a little different. I mean, I know Ed Oliver's a real dude, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they, if they can get that going. Will they try to get it going? Will they come out the way they have the the last few weeks and just uh, put it all on Burrow's shoulders on those first couple drives and uh, be more of the extension of the run game with the checkdowns and the screen passes? Um, I. I don't know if I was making a list of, I mean, running the ball totally on brand, but for him to pick a unsung hero in this game, I, I don't know how far down the 53 I would have got before I picked Deontay Smith. Um, <laughs> but, and, and you know, do they need it? Do they need a extra offensive lineman to run the ball? Can they do it with five the way that that group played last week? Um, it is, there's, it's just one more piece of this that, um, like I said earlier, there's just a lot of, a lot of different elements to this that we're, we're waiting to see how they play out. It's it's not just how is Mahomes' ankle going to hold up. Yeah, no question. Um, 
Butch had a great piece on Mike Hilton. I recommend people go read on Bengals.com. Mike Hilton, the family's from what makes somebody 5'9", 185, turn into a beast that takes on Derrick Henry and plays the way he does. And, you know, we talked, we, we, we brought in some quotes on Tuesday um, of Zach Taylor and Luana Rumo talking about Mike Hilton. And Hilton, I talked to him a little bit yesterday, and he said, yeah, I feel like I'm the best nickel corner in the league, and I'm not afraid to say that. That's not me being – uh, you know, something cocky. That's just me being brutally honest. I don't know what he can do, what I can do. And I, and I, the more you watch him, the more of kind right. of, you got to believe him. You know, the, the, the coverage, the attack, the going into the backfield, the just the rarity of ever missing a tackle. Um, he's the type of player you have to have in today's game and the type of player they hunted to beat teams like Kansas City. And Baltimore with Lamar Jackson when they started forming what these teams need to look like um, years ago. So m- make sure you check that out. Great story there. All right. Plenty more ins and outs to get into, but no better place to get into the ins and outs of what's happening with the Chiefs since we last seen them. They have not lost since these last two teams played, both teams on a roll. Let's go. Uh, Jay, you caught up with uh, our good friend in Kansas City, uh, Nate Taylor. Uh, to talk about all things going on with the Chiefs. Let's uh, let's let's go into that interview. All right. Well, we're going to head out to Kansas City and talk to Nate Taylor for the fourth time in the last <laughs> 13 months. It's almost like the Bengals and Chiefs have become division rivals the way they're playing so frequently. And then at both times, uh, the, the two games last year, the two games this year, just within – what five six well it was even quicker last year and this year it's a six-week span yeah um just just crazy the way this is kind of playing out uh first of all nate how are you on this busy week i'm good jay uh i'm i'm excited that uh Bengals fans are getting used to this right i mean the whole yeah. enjoyment of uh of championship week it, it's it's really i know this might sound weird but like it is probably my most the most fun i have um, during a week in the season, because um, the Super Bowl run-up, as I'm sure you guys know, it's way too long. Like we don't. Yes. I know it's good for like the players to have like that two week to let their body slightly heal and, and obviously prepare for an opponent that they don't normally see. Um, but that that week from the division round to the championship round is so much fun because it does let you like you've seen the matchup already, particularly in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know all the characters. There's obviously a now uh, a new rivalry in the AFC between both of these teams. Um, I said this before, Jay, but I, I thought that much of this season for the Chiefs would be about getting back to the AFC Championship. If they could somehow do that, that would be a major accomplishment, that that would be like a successful season, mm-hmm. in my estimation, just because teams don't go to five straight AFC Championship games, yeah. especially after they trade away, you know, such a dynamic player like Tyree Kill. So for them to do that is... Um, is wildly impressive. I know we're going to get into Mahomes' ankle. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, doing – like, seeing the Bengals do what the Bills did, what the Bengals did to the Bills last week was so, like, impressive just because I thought the Chiefs were going to have to go to Buffalo, you know, midway through the season. And instead, it's the Bengals who um, won from start to finish. So, I couldn't be more excited to, to be here again and <laughs> to – uh, hopefully inform people, uh, you know, everything that's going on from the Chiefs perspective. But um, I, I'm super excited about this game and, and what the outcome will be. 
I mean, the only way it could be more exciting is if we were talking about a, a Patrick Mahomes at 100%, which mm. he obviously is not. Um, I don't know how much you could glean from, from yesterday, <laughs> from that short practice. Um, what, what, just what, how compromised do you think he is going to be? And um, what, what did you see yesterday uh, from the ankle when he, I guess, what, you got to watch stretching? Yes, we got to, we got to watch stretching. <laughs> we didn't even get to watch individual, which is, like, very unusual. Usually yeah. you get to see the individual period before, obviously, the team does, you know, teamwork, basically, 11-on-11 11 11 work. Um, so it was about four minutes. Um, <laughs> you know, I broke down as much of it as I could. Um, <laughs> I found it fascinating that the, you know, because – you don't want to overcompensate, right, uh, with this high ankle sprain. So the team heavily taped both of his ankles. Um, so it, 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 it looked like you couldn't totally see, um, you know, the difference between obviously his right ankle, which is the one that he sustained the injury on last week against the Jaguars, and his left ankle, um, which is, you know, the more functional ankle. I think it's, um, I think it's wild, Jay, that he could not really jog. He couldn't really run. Um, he was just hopping and skipping around in the second half against the Jaguars. And yesterday, on Wednesday, he's 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 like jogging. It looks ginger, but it's a it's a it's a really, I guess, positive sign for the Chiefs that at least he can move in a smoothest jog in one direction. My biggest concern, yeah. of course, is you know, so much of Patrick Mahomes' uh improvisational creativity is you know, change of direction, you know, going from side to side. He's really impressive running, you know, going to his right. So he's going to have to stay in the pocket, but at least he'll be, I think, mobile enough to like, you know, maybe, you know, you know, slide to the left one step, slide to the left or to the right one step. Um, the Chiefs are going to try to be creative, you know, to sort of manage his ankle. But I didn't see a drop back. I didn't see, you know, under center, you know, running a stretch play handoff, which is what he really struggled with against Jacksonville, where he had to basically hop on one leg to get the ball to the running back. So I don't know what they'll necessarily do. You know, one of my suggestions is to put him in pistol. That way the running back still has a running start to the line of scrimmage instead of just being a shotgun right next to Mahomes. Um, so I'm, I'm fascinated to see if, you know, if we get more of a look today, if we get more information, obviously I'll, share that on Twitter and obviously on, you know, our app. But, uh, but yeah, like the fact that he's John <clears throat> does inform you that, okay, there's, we don't have to speculate too much to the point where, you know, we can say pretty confidently, unless he has a major setback that he yeah. will be on the field Sunday. And, and knowing that, that he will be on the field and so much focuses on him and what he can do and what he can't do, but, but obviously he is going to be limited in some regard. So, I'm curious, from your perspective, uh, a less Patrick, Mah a less mobile Patrick Mahomes puts more pressure on which of his teammates? Who, who's the most important guy in in kind of offsetting this injury? Uh, it's really the offensive line, and more specifically, Orlando Brown. Um, you know, Bengal fans, I'm sure, are aware of him. You know, obviously playing in Baltimore for you know most of his rookie contract. He's been with the Chiefs the last two years. Um, the reason why the Bengals, you know, or one of the reasons I should say why they came back is, you know, in the second half of the AFC Championship game last year is because they were able to get pressure off the edge, um, you know, when they weren't necessarily dropping eight into coverage, you know. So it was a, it was a perfect mix from Lou Anarumo where you could get pressure from Sam Hubbard and Trey Henderson while also obviously dropping eight at times in, in clear passing situations. 
Um, Orlando Brown is is a good left tackle. He's trying to be a great left tackle. He's playing on the franchise tag, so there's a huge, you know, monetary incentive for him to play well. Um, Arden Key was the player that Orlando Brown was blocking, who eventually was the player who injured Patrick Mahomes, you know, hitting Mahomes right after he released the ball for a completion. Um, so Orlando Brown's going to have to be excellent. I think the offensive line as a whole is going to have to be um, – as cohesive of a unit as they've been really all season, right? I mean, they benefit from Mahomes because of his legs. And then, you know, Mahomes has so much time because the offensive line does do a really, really good job at picking up blitz protections it's, it's, or picking up blitzes. It's why a lot of teams don't want to necessarily blitz Mahomes. Not only can you struggle to get there, but it's because the offensive line does a really good job with Mahomes as to sort of recognizing where the pressure is going to come from and then obviously accounting for it. Um, so I think the big thing is the offensive line and, you know, we have 24 years of evidence, Jay, where we're trying to ask Andy Reid, you might want to run the ball more, even with the quarterback who's got a, a high right ankle sprain, a right high ankle sprain. Like you are trying to convince Andy Reid, one of the most pass happy coaches in all of NFL history, uh, to say, Hey, maybe the, maybe the pressure Maybe the burden needs to go on Isaiah Pacheco, a, a really talented rookie running back who played well in the first matchup and, you know, limited touches against the Bengals. He scored a touchdown. Uh, but maybe this is the rare game where you give your running back, you know, 20 to 25 touches um, so that it doesn't put so much pressure on Mahomes. If Mahomes has to drop back 40 times, Jay, I'm not sure that's a good thing for the Chiefs. I think that's actually a good thing for the Bengals just because – um, it means that you're probably playing with the lead. It means you're probably forcing the issue. And it means Mahomes has to um, really dig deep, you know, physically um, to see if he can maybe bring the team in a comeback situation. But the more times he drops back to pass, the more times he could potentially aggravate that injury. It's funny because you mentioned the, the, the running game thing. I mean, that the Chiefs don't lean into it because that's not what Andy Reid is, but they've been good. When, yes. I mean, they've been very, very good when they when they do run the ball. And I noticed, you know, they were really running it well in the first half against Jacksonville. Then the injury happens, and it, it did not look the same in the second half. Was mm-hmm. that a product of Jacksonville kind of selling out, knowing that, that Mahomes wasn't as, as mobile? And the, uh, the other part of this running game question, uh, just – uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, is mm. there, do, are, do you think he's going to be activated for this game and add to that stable of backs? It, there's a chance. Andy Reid yesterday said that, you know, they have two options. Uh, they have one roster spot. Uh, Chris Lammons was who they released. He was then immediately picked up <laughs> by the Bengals. Uh, Imagine that. Which which I think is just an amazing uh, decision. It's just like, man, this is a this is a real rivalry, right? I mean, it's like, hey, yeah. Chris Lemons is one of their better special teams players. Like, special teams matters in a game of this magnitude. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, hey, he could be available for you guys in the Super Bowl, but he won't be available <laughs> for you guys for the rest of the year. It's, it's an amazing transactional move. Um, I know that Clyde has um, obviously given up his starting spot to Isaiah Pacheco. That was really right when the injury occurred in November. But they have two players that they could choose from. Jody Fortson, who's a backup tight end. Or Edwards Alaire, um, who was their starting running back when the season began. I think you can make an argument for both sides, Jay. And and Andy on Wednesday said that it looks like, you know, in terms of rehab and, and progress to return, it looks like Jody Fortson is ahead of Clyde Edwards Alaire. So maybe that 
that holds true, and it's it's Jody who's been elevated to the active roster either Friday or Saturday. But I think you can make a case for either guy because one thing when I look through the stats and I wrote about this is the Chiefs do a really good job running the football and passing the football. So having true balance and efficiency when they run out of 12 personnel, when you have two tight ends on the field. Um, if Fortson comes back, that gives them four tight ends. That gives them Travis Kelsey, of course, Noah Gray, Blake Bell, and Jody Fortson. But if you have Clyde Rizalera, that means you have three legitimate running backs to maybe, again, keep the burden off of Mahomes as much as you can between Isaiah Pacheco, Edwards Alaire, and Jerick McKinnon. Um, so one of these guys will probably play in this game. It'll probably be in a limited role, but it will help them stay in that 12 personnel, try to find some level of balance where the defense can't say if they're in, you know, four wide receiver sets, we anticipate pass. And obviously Mahomes can't necessarily extend plays or, or, or scramble for plays. So you might need two tight ends to really block or to really keep the, you know, the Bengals in, you know, three linebacker looks to where maybe you can run the ball successfully for four or five yards a pop. It's it's a fascinating situation that they're going to have to navigate through. Um, you know, Jody Fortson, if he plays, will play through a elbow guard. It's on his left elbow. Um, so I don't know how effective he'll be maybe in pass blocking. But uh, but it's, it's something that, you know, if Edwards Alaire plays, um, he might be more of a receiver, whereas Pacheco will be the every down um, run straight ahead runner. It may not just be 12 personnel. We might be seeing some 13 personnel mm-hmm. as well, where they just kind of load up and say, hey, let's let's make this a grinded out game and, yeah. and run the ball. Um, I think a lot of people are interested in what Lou's going to do against at Mahomes. And, you know, is he going to bring pressure knowing that he's not as mobile? Or is he going to take the, the, the route that he took last year in the AFC Championship game and drop all those guys? Um, I did want to point out that they the, the, the two biggest plays that they had in that game uh, earlier this year in December mm-hmm. – Lou brought pressure against Patrick Mahomes, and he hit him for uh, 42 and 29 yards, hit Valdez Scanning, Scantling. Um, Mahomes never moved off his spot on those, on those <laughs> throws. He just threw it. It's, it he yeah. doesn't have to escape the pocket to burn you with the blitz. So I am really interested where that's going to play yeah. out. But the other side, I'm wondering what what do you think with Steve Spagnuolo and coming after Burrow? Because mm. it's – I mean, it's almost a game where you need to take the chances, but everybody knows what what blitzing Joe Burrow at your own risk. It's it's Ooh. it's not a way to live. You got to pick your spots. Do you do you see him dialing it up and really turning up the heat on him, or is it going to be more what we've seen, you know, the last three times these guys have played? Yeah, um, I think uh, Steve Spagnolo last week got as many uh, got as many hits as he possibly could off the blitz <laughs> chart. Um, I just want to remind Bengals fans that, you know, Trevor Lawrence, hey, welcome to Arrowhead. Like, this is cool. This is fun. First play, we're blitzing everybody. (laughs) It's like second play, we're blitzing again. And on the third down, they blitzed again, and he almost threw an interception. So um, it was so funny that, like, uh, Spagnuolo knows, hey, if the Chiefs win, you know, this game, it's either Josh Allen or Joe Burrow. You probably don't want to blitz either guy in particular, although – Give credit to Lou Anaruma. Like, his blitzes off the edge were super-duper effective against Josh Allen. Yes. Um, so so it's almost like, hey, I need to, I need to like, you know, um, go through a little bit of a rehab in terms of, like, not blitzing as much. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really go on a binge of blitzing last week against Jacksonville. Um, 
I think what Spagnuolo needs to do is find a relative medium between Spags is always going to be Spags. You know, that's the phrase that, that yeah. Chiefs fans say, Spags is, Spags is going to Spags. Um, and also, <laughs> like, don't do not do what Leslie Frazier did. I, I am still sort of perplexed by the Bills game plan. Now, I know they don't have um, as many players as they, as they have when the season began, and that was really an issue that kind of maybe put them in a vibe. That's the difference for the Chiefs, right? Everybody on the Chiefs defense is healthy, is playing yes. well, is better, um, maybe more more equipped, I should say, for this rematch than in the first matchup where they had, as we talked before, they had three rookie cornerbacks who had never seen Jamar mm-hmm. Chase and T. Higgins and obviously Tyler Boyd, um, you know, in person, obviously having to cover them. And so from a coaching staff standpoint, they were trying to figure out what can the rookies do to, like, make us at least functional um, in the first matchup, whereas now they have more information. Maybe they change their styles up. But I think Spags is going to bring pressure. It might be from more safeties than cornerbacks. That is something that has been more effective over the last, really, two to three games for the Chiefs. Um, Justin Reed's gotten into the blitzing act, and he's gotten home um, because it's hard to account when the Chiefs have three safeties on the field, which one is coming between Justin Reed, Juan Thornhill, and Brian Cook, who's a rookie. Um but don't do what Leslie Frazier did, which was basically we're playing cover two or we're playing quarters and we're just trying to keep everything in front of us. And, mm-hmm. you know, give the Bengals credit. They did a great job of sort of manipulating those zones uh, so that they could give plays down the field. I, I think what Spags will do is he'll mix up man and zone. I think he'll give Joe as much pre-snap looks that are not what the post-snap look is supposed to be with a sprinkle of here's an exotic blitz that you don't normally see. Um, but one of the reasons why maybe you don't want to blitz Joe Burrow for beyond the obvious reasons, because he is excellent, because he is so accurate with the football, is because, you know, maybe this is the rare game where, you know, as I've said before, Jay, and I'm sure you're aware of this, like when a guy knows he's starting, when he doesn't start normally, that guy is prepared. He is focused. His body feels good. And he reminds you that's why he's in the NFL. And I thought that was a really cool thing last week for the Bengals offensive line where everybody just sort of said, well, they have, you know, they have three guys playing out of position or, you know, being reserves. How's it going to look? They looked awesome. They, they obviously dictated the trenches. Um, but I do wonder now that they've been on film for at least a game, you know, can the Chiefs get pressure with four to where you maybe don't have to blitz? Um, and maybe it's the second game where you're reminded that, oh, that's why, you know, they're a um, spot starter or that's why they're a backup for, you know, they're a backup for a reason. Yeah. But they do show you in that first game that, yes, they're NFL players. They know what to do. Um, you know, when everything's clicking, they can be just as good as the starter. So I'm fascinated in that situation where the Chiefs have, you know, a decent pass rush with Chris Jones, who had 15 and a half sacks. And then obviously Frank Clark had a really good game off the edge. Um when the Bengals have played the Chiefs, they've really won this matchup in the trenches for Joe Burrow to beat the Blitz or to find the guy in one-on-one situations. But now it comes down to um, can that offensive line do it again, you know, without, you know, because if they do, then I think it does force Steve Spagnuolo's hand where he's like, man, we haven't gotten home. This is the eighth play of the drive. I have to Blitz. I don't want to Blitz, but, like, you know, let's just create some chaos. Um, mm-hmm. the, the problem with that is Jamar Chase is on the field, and I'm terrified of him, whoever they play, right? I mean, Baltimore right. Baltimore was like, 
you know, Marcus, please don't get burned. And, <laughs> you know, please do everything you can to, like, get inside his head. It was such a mental game for those two. And, mm-hmm. you know, Buffalo is like, how do we lose? Well, how do we lose track, you know, of Hayden Hurst? It's like, because Jamar Chase exists. And obviously, yes. everybody knows that, you know, when Jamar Chase plays the Chiefs, he turns into Jerry Rice. It's just, it's just <laughs> amazing. It's like, hey, it's third and four. Uh, just give the ball to Chase on the on the on the perimeter. He'll make a guy miss, and he does. It is just so. I have I've yet to see a game where Jamar Chase doesn't remind me of like either a Randy Boss or b Jerry Rice because the Chiefs have not found a way to cover this man. Yeah, or it's third and twenty-seven. Just throw it up to him. Exactly, and he makes it happen. It's and that, crazy. That, that's how, and that's you're right. The Hayden Hurst was so wide open. They faked that just one fake pump fake to, for mm-hmm. the tunnel screen, and everybody collapses. It it is amazing what what he can affect even when he's just a on decoy the field. on a given yeah. play. Yeah, just it's, out there. It's crazy. Um, you, you, one thing my partner on the beat, Paul Daner Jr., wrote about this week was the year in disrespect. All the mm. slights that the Bengals had taken <laughs> this year. Um, they. I, I was surprised being with them being on that side of it that we saw Mike Hilton drop the burrow head mm-hmm. comment um I, I know how that's being played in the fan base in kansas city i'm curious <laughs> in the locker room especially after the justin reed thing last yes, year is, is that yeah. something that or last week not last week last month yeah, yeah. Um, is that something that is being played up in that locker room being mentioned or uh just kind of they're keeping it to themselves but you know it's it's percolating a little under the surface yeah uh we got justin reed yesterday and he okay. acknowledged that he heard it um, which means everybody's heard it in the, in the locker room. Um, and look, I, like this is the beauty of sports. Like I want, I want guys to be honest and obviously confident. And uh, Mike Helms a really good player, man. Like he played awesome. So I'm sure he was feeling, yeah. he was feeling super confident. Obviously, he knows that they've won three in a row. But for the Chiefs, uh, Andy Reid has made it clear that, um, you know. Obviously, Mahomes' ankle is going to take much of the attention away. But I do think he is trying to remind the rest of the team that it's, hey, it's a team sport, which means um, if your quarterback is fighting this much to be on the field, you know, to try to lead you to a Super Bowl, you need to do the absolute maximum mentally and physically that you can do to prepare yourself for this game, um, which means internalize maybe the Burrowhead comment but don't necessarily respond to it unless it's yeah. Sunday night on the field for the AFC championship. Um, everybody knows what Justin Reed said a month ago where he couldn't even remember Hayden Hurst's name. And I felt so <laughs> bad in the moment because, you know, yeah. as reporters, you never want to like interrupt the guy after we've asked a yeah. question. Um, but he said Higby and I was like, Higby. I was like, what? <laughs> like, no, I'm like, I'm, uh, like he even confused me for a second. I was like, is Higby on the? He's not on the Bengals. <laughs> um, so, but like again, you don't you don't really say anything. You know, you just let. Yeah. You know, obviously, it's a question and a response, and then we go back to the next question. And then it was the next day where I was like, actually, I think you were talking about Hayden Hurst, and he was like, yeah, I, I messed that up. <laughs> you know, kind of in a in a um, in a moment off to the side in the in the locker room. You know, I guess it was yeah. that following either Thursday or Friday. But um, but no, they they're aware of the comment. Um, they really don't have anything to say. I think that's the other mm-hmm. cool aspect too. Like, what, what, uh, what? How can the Chiefs reciprocate other than to just play better? To I don't know, yeah. do well in the fourth quarter of one of these <laughs> games. So they know they can't really say anything. Um, 
Andy Reid yesterday said that, like, you know, well, we're going to have to play the game at some point. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's where their attention has been. Um, but I, I do love that when someone makes a play on Sunday, uh, they're probably going to tell the other team about it just because oh, yeah. uh, there's, gonna, there's, there's, there's just been really intriguing trash talk. Like, one of the fascinating parts for me covering the Chiefs is obviously, you know, when Mahomes arrived, the, their arrival was trying to beat the Patriots, right? Trying to beat Tom Brady and become the established superior team in the AFC. Well, that was out of respect and like, oh my God, Tom Brady is a legend and we need to sort of, you know, we need to do everything right to sort of counteract what the Patriots have built for all these years. Then they become champions and it's the Bills who are now chasing them. But it never got really contentious. It never got to a place where like, you know, these you felt like these two teams didn't like one another. It was just like, hey, this is naturally how it's supposed to work. You go from the hunter to the hunted and now we get to see how truly great you are because can you can you keep the bills from overtaking your your spot obviously we know about what happened in the division round last year patrick mahomes throws a touchdown pass and then immediately runs to josh allen because he recognizes that like they are on equal you know equal stature you yeah. know there's there's such a love and respect for both of those guys they've obviously become friends since then this is not the case. Like <laughs> the Bengals walked into Arrowhead last year and did to the Chiefs what the Chiefs have done to so many teams, which is come back in the second half um, to be cocky about it, to obviously celebrate with the cigars and um, and to wave to fans as they exit the, the stadium. It was yeah. it was a really fascinating moment last year because I felt, and I've said this before, I felt like they caught them kind of at the right time that they sort of snuck up on the Chiefs. Well, all they've done since then is just talked, you know, since. Uh, I don't know if you guys have referenced uh, what Jamar said to, to Justin Reed in the past about, uh, you know, his, his, his comeback to Justin Reed. But, you know, it's gotten really uh, spicy. And, and I enjoy yes. that because, you know, you want to see who's the best team. Um, and obviously the stakes are equal, but they're even they're even more intense just because, um, it's been made aware to all of us that they don't like one another. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, the la- I want to end it here with the way we always end it with a prediction. The Zoom clock is counting down, so I don't want to. I hate to cut you short. Yeah. Here, but, uh, just a just a quick uh, what you're expecting um, to see on Sunday and a, and a prediction for a final score. So I said this early in the week, and I'm going to stay with it. Um, you know, there obviously will be more information about Mahomes' condition. Again, I think he'll play unless he has like a, a wild, you know, unusual setback. But I picked Bengals twenty-seven, Chiefs twenty-three. Like guys, I've yeah. I've I've come I've come over. Like it's okay. Like I I am a respectable <laughs> journalist who can recognize that maybe one team is better than the other, even if their quarterback's fully healthy. And now you're telling me the quarterback is not fully healthy, and he's yeah. got to you know, overcome even more adverse situations. Um, I've said it, you know, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. He is the most talented passer of the football. Right now, Joe Burrow is the second best quarterback in the league. Uh, there's a reason the Beagles are on this winning streak. Uh, yeah. I think DJ Reader is so good. Obviously, before I've said Mike Hilton is is, is just um, – has played at a really high level. Um Von Bell makes the most important tackle of the season. 
and then it leads yeah. to Sam Hubbard's touchdown. Yeah. It's they are, and obviously we've, we've talked before about Lou Anarumo. I just I, I've grown to trust the Bengals. What they did last week against Buffalo uh, goes into account. As you said before, Jay, they're obviously highly motivated and feel disrespected. Um, so they have an edge to them that I think is is a uh, is clearly something that you that you just have to acknowledge. And mm-hmm. I know that Joe Tooney didn't play in the first game, and Jalen Watson didn't play in the first game, and Kadarius Tony and McCole Harmon didn't play in the first game. But basically, you're asking all of the Chiefs, not named Patrick Mahomes, to kind of have one of or their best game of the season on Sunday, and I, you know that's going to be tough. So if Mahomes pulls this off. It is wildly impressive, um, yeah. but I'm not going to be surprised that the Bengals, who might just be the better team on a regular given Sunday when everybody's healthy, um, I'm not going to be surprised if um, if the Bengals go back to the Super Bowl just because I think that – I just think, I, I mean, unless they get pressure with 4J, I don't know how Joe Burrow isn't going to have success with the amount of weapons he had and the Chiefs struggled to tackle – some RJP Ryan. Now Joe Bix is yeah. on the field. Like, yep. I just, <laughs> I don't know. So, you know, discounting turnovers, discounting crazy stuff happening. Um, I'm going to go with the Bengals for this one. Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, there's layer after layer after layer. It starts with Mahomes' ankle, but there's there's so many other interesting aspects to this. I can't wait to see how it plays out. Can't wait to get to Kansas City, mm. catch up with you in person one more yeah. time. Um, and I can't thank you enough for jumping on. I know it's a busy week. I know you got a lot to do, and I do appreciate you carving out some time for us, Nate. Yeah, anytime. I, I appreciate you, love reading you and, and Paul. And, yeah, I can't uh, – I, I, I truly cannot wait for this guy because – can yeah. you imagine the post the post game comments from either team winning? It's just going to be yeah. really, really um, intriguing and tasty. And yeah, I can I can sort of anticipate what things are gonna what what is going to be said, no matter who wins this game. And again, that's why that's why sports are so so fascinating at times. I think there will be cigars in one locker room mm-hmm. or the other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. Well, thank you so much, Nate. We will see you on Sunday. All right, Jay. All right. Uh, great to catch up with Nate Taylor. I hope everyone is checking out his work. If you're on The Athletic, just make sure you're subscribing to the Chiefs feed um, and you'll see everything that Nate is and company are doing over there. Takeaways, Jay? Um, yeah, I was, a, I was a little surprised that, that he picked the Bengals in this game. I mean, I guess it makes sense with, with Mahomes, but seeing him moving yesterday and knowing he's going to play and um, you just – it's not that you – Guys that cover the team or are fans of the team, but when you're around them that much and you 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 see a team that's playing well, the reasons they're playing well, you just tend to think that that's going to keep going. And I was I was a little surprised he he went with a, a Bengals prediction there. The other thing was I thought was interesting was just this whole Zap Bruder breakdown of the Patrick Mahomes um, <laughs> ankle situation, and uh, you know they're looking to see, and they he, he said they probably taped up the the left ankle as much as they did the right yesterday just so people couldn't tell the difference um um it but it is it's it's one thing to go out there and do straight line stretching jogging um i i think a lot of us as we said earlier were surprised that he was a full participant yesterday but until you see him out there on the grass uh cutting and planting um, that's when we're going to know. It, it shouldn't take long. First series, second series, we're going to know how effective he can be. Um, but I, I did enjoy 
what that that situation was like for him and all the other guys in Kansas City just staring at nothing but the uh, the ankles of Patrick Mahomes during the open practice session to, yesterday. Yeah, it's, I mean it's such a big part of this game, and and you know. Butch, you mentioned this earlier, and I, I think it's important for us to dive into here is the defensive approach of Luana Rumo and, and how this ankle could play in. You know, what are you going to see? There's no question that Mahomes spent all offseason and this year watching the tape of the AFC Championship game and what they did in the second half by dropping eight. Uh, it's been talked about a lot. It was talked about in the immediate aftermath of the game this year. Um, you know, 14 attempts uh, and 18 total dropbacks in the game last year uh, where Luana Rumo dropped eight against Patrick Mahomes. He was uh, not good on those attempts. Uh, he was sacked four times. Uh, he was running all over the place uh, in that game. I mean, you're talking about um, a guy running for his life, average of 3.9 seconds to throw where it was just constantly running around. That was not as much, you know, only five times did Lou use it in the last game. He dialed that back a little bit, but on those, you know, one for four and an average time to throw 4.6 seconds, just causing someone to run around and try to like, you see Mahomes do a million times plays that just don't look normal. It's just strictly a broken play, right? It, well, that's the type of plays you want to force him into. Can you go run around like that 10 times in a game? cuts and moves and instinctual like that's the stuff that's going to be harder to do if you're challenging him to do so I'm curious to see if we see Lou lean back into that game plan and one that's been successful when they've used it but partially I think the second time around successful because Lou Anarumo didn't use it as often yeah and the, the thing about that is the you, you worry about the cumulative effect for Patrick Mahomes where running around that much, how much does the ankle deteriorate over the course of the game? The other thing that the, the one, I guess the thing in the back of your mind when you, you play that kind of scheme is it only takes one guy to break free and you know that he can chuck the ball down the field and, and burn you uh, on a deep shot when, when even with that many guys in coverage, I don't know that he's going to be able to do that. On Sunday, we you know we we did the the stories on Burrow and how how dedicated he was to his lower body mechanics and trying to improve his arm strength and it, I don't know how much that that he can Patrick Mahomes is going to be able to drive into those throws. Yes, he's got a hell of a strong arm, but when you're not when your lower body is is I keep using the word compromised, but when it's affected the way it is with with this injury, that that's. I don't think the arm strength is going to be as strong, and the accuracy may not be as good either. Um, so I, I am interested to see. I, he, they, they played a lot more man coverage in the regular season game this year than they did the two games last year. And I think a big part of that is there's no Tyreek Hill out there that scares you. And now, yes, Kadarius Toney is is kind of where he didn't play in that first game against the Bengals, and he has incredible speed, but he still hasn't become anywhere near the kind of threat that Tyreek Hill is. Um, but I, I do wonder if we'll, we'll see a little bit more of that too, where they just do more, they're, they're willing to bring pressure and have a little more confidence in, in the man coverage, um, especially if Trey Flowers is able to play and he can, he can man up on Travis Kelsey. Again, it's just one more thing that there's so many 
things that you can get into about the the scheme and the game plan and just what to look for in this game. Um, I don't I don't know what I would would pick as my number one thing outside of of Mahomes' actual ankle, but it, it, Lou Anarumo and his plan is going to be right there at the top. Yeah, and they're connected. Now the one thing is, you know, the Chiefs have have. I remember there was a point in the Chiefs in the game, the first game this year, where Nate actually tweeted about, now that's a sign of real growth on a team that was willing to run the ball in situations like a third and mid and, mm-hmm. and understanding that that's what they're giving to you and being willing to do things like that. I think that's going to be a big part of this too. Is going to be this Since the last meeting with the Bengals, the Chiefs are eighth in the league in rushing success percentage at 43%. Um, we, we've seen them get some, some, some real juice out of Pacheco. We've seen McKinnon scored a gazillion touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've seen, we've seen them get stuff out of the run and the willingness to use that and, and to offset things and understand when the Bengals are giving them that and take it in key spots is going to be a real challenge for them. If they, I mean, if they can do that, I mean, there's a reason to believe that they can continue to move the ball and have plenty of success. I want to drop a few more stats on you, Jay. All right. Okay. This is, as you, as you know, um, the Bengals have given Patrick Mahomes problems in the three games. I, I extracted the three games against the Bengals versus all others. Patrick Mahomes um, adjusted net. This is the last two years, so last year and this year, including playoffs. Um, Patrick Mahomes adjusted net yards per attempt is 7.6 against all others, 6.8 against the Bengals. EPA per drop, 0.24 against all others, 0.12 against the Bengals. Blitz rate, all others, 18.5%. Bengals all the way down at 13.2%. However, pressure rate, almost exactly the same, 32.5%, 31.6%. He has six touchdowns and two interceptions against the Bengals, uh, and he has 85 touchdowns and 25 interceptions against all others, which is a 3.3 to 1. The big difference has been first half versus second half. Mm-hmm. First half, Mahomes... 10.6 adjusted net yards per attempt against the Bengals versus second half, 2.47. EPA per drop in the first half, 0.44. In the second half, zero negative 0.25. Blitz rate has stayed almost the same. Bengals pressure rate, though, has gone up from 26.2 to 37.7 in the second half. Patrick Mahomes with six touchdown passes, no interceptions in the first half. Zero touchdown passes, two interceptions in the second half of these games. We know the Bengals have been great second half teams. Now, it should be mentioned, in the first game this year, he didn't throw a touchdown pass, but they did score two touchdowns, uh, rushing it in, and had 14 points in the second half. And it did, they didn't seem to have the carryover of the second half issue that we saw from last year that was so prominent. But that said, they've really been able to give Patrick Mahomes problem in the passing game. Um, doesn't mean that will be the case in this game, but... It is, again, we've talked about all these elements, quick starts, high leverage, Mm -hmm. defensive turning over into the second half. We know this Bengals team has seven straight games with a fourth-quarter turnover. All of these things uh, play in, and that's certainly one to watch when we talk about how the Bengals have been able to rattle Mahomes at times. Yeah, and the the, the Chiefs have been really good at at, – they're not on a – I wouldn't say they're on a heater on taking the ball away, but they they've had uh, multiple games since midseason with 
with multiple turnovers, and they've been getting turnovers in the fourth quarter too. And a lot of that kind of goes with what the Bengals are, where you're playing with the lead, other teams are forcing the issue. But it is a great point about the if the Bengals are down at halftime, I think a lot of people will still have confidence they can come back and win because of the Joe Burrow effect and because of the Lou Anarumo effect of what he's been able to do to Mahomes in the second half, um, particularly the two games last year. But the other way, if the Bengals do what they've done and they jump out to an early lead and then knowing what Mahomes is right now, not 100% healthy, I just I, I think that that is the recipe for maybe this game playing out the way the divisional game did, where you could see they could jump on them early and just ride that out. Um, so I do. I, I think the Chiefs are going to run the ball a lot more in this game. Use as Nate said, the 12 personnel a lot, some of the 13 personnel. Um, not let that happen. Try to do the old, do what teams have tried to do to Mahomes for years and take the ball out of his hands and eat up the clock. And the Chiefs have been. As Nate said, Andy Reid doesn't like to run the ball a lot, but when you're when you're as effective as they are, maybe this is the game where he finally leans into it a little bit more. Yeah, and DJ Reader's waiting there, right? I mean, that's a big yes. that's a big part of it. Is you've got Sam. you've got they've been so good at at being able to stop the run when teams have tried to um, because of you know the play. But again, strength on strength. There's so many strength on strengths in this game. Um, you know, what you're talking about the the Chiefs O line has has been such solid, such a great job of rebuilding there. Um, you know, when you have Reader and Hill and and all those guys, they've been really rotating those guys a lot more too. I mean, if you look in the last couple of games, you know, you've seen all eight defensive linemen have been getting, mm-hmm. you know, at least four. I think it was at least fourteen reps. 14 snaps in the last game. It's been pretty consistent where you're just seeing them a lot more. Lou, a lot more comfortable putting those guys out there. I was talking to Hubbard about that yesterday, and he said it's made a big difference. You can really feel how fresh you feel. You really feel when you're feeling tired going into the next snap, you're not hesitant to to tap the helmet for a play and let the, because there's so much confidence what the other guys have been able to do. And really last game is a perfect example, right? Henderson has to tap out after chasing Mahomes sideline to sideline, and Osai comes in and makes the biggest play of his career on a third down sack of Mahomes. So that makes a big difference too, the freshness that they have up front, the ability to, you know, not feel like you're wearing down over the course of a game, chasing Mahomes, dealing with a running game. Um, So many, so many ins and outs to this game. Let's get into some segments, Jay, and then we'll have our predictions. Uh, Arby's time. uh, I can lead it off. I've, so people that listen to this podcast can certainly, I would think appreciate this, uh, especially if you don't listen on the app. You know, uh, one of our prominent sponsors and one that I enjoy and have, right over my shoulder here on my bookcase um, is liquid death. And so imagine as I walk up to talk to Logan Wilson yesterday and right next to his locker are like six huge boxes stacked up. And on top is a box of liquid death sparkling. And I'm like, Liquid Death? I was like, do you have a podcast? Uh, <laughs> because, uh, they're, you know, they're, they're big fans. And he's like, he loves, he's like, I love their water. He's like, I love their water. It tastes different. Out of the can, I go, it's from the Alps, you know. And uh, <laughs> But it, it, he, he's a big Liquid Death. Who knew? Logan Wilson, Bengals linebacker, huge Liquid Death 
just the straight water, not even like the spar. He loves the, the like the the actual plain water. So good, good for good for Logan Wilson, who who could be a good friend of the program now at this point. I think he, we we should have him on. We see if he wants to come on with Absolutely. us. And the segment will be sponsored by Liquid Death. Yeah, we should. Um, I, I I don't have an Arby's this week. I'm sorry to let you down. I just uh, <laughs> I, I have I was not at the stadium yesterday. Um, don't want to get too much into it. My wife had surgery. She's fine, but took the took the day off work from home. So I didn't really get any insight. I am looking forward to get back down there and and see all the craziness. Um, I did. Uh, note right away what Paul had said, where you, you, you watch the press conferences and you see the new backdrop, oh, yeah. the AFC Championship game logo, and it just it has a different feel. It has a obviously a different look, a different feel. Um, and uh, I, I am I'm looking forward to getting down there and getting back in the locker room and uh, maybe maybe have some Arby's for for the walkout. The funny thing about um, you know a lot of boom mics, a lot of national media in town, <laughs> the new backdrops. It's funny how players. You know, not that it is, they're not fine to see us during the week, but we're still the media in their locker room, right? Mm. But now, if they see one of us, one of us locals that have that have been here all year, it's like so happy to see us and like talk <laughs> to someone who's a familiar face. Versus, I mean the the throngs of you know you've got four or five you can't even you couldn't even get into. I mean I, whether it was. Joe Mixon or Tyler Boy, all the Ted Karras doing their doing scrums. Scrums turn into, I mean, twenty people, multiple boom mics. It's just insane. Um, so yeah, when you when you walk up now and they see one of us, it's all, hey Paul, there's <laughs> <laughs> a lot going on here. Uh, totally agree. It's total madness uh, at this point down at the stadium, as you would expect. Um, all right, Bengals growler bet time, Jay. Um, if you, of course, would like to submit your answer and try to win some delicious 50 West beer at our next uh, in-person event, live event, you can send an email to pdaner at theathletic.com or just hit us up, hashtag Bengals Growler Bet on Twitter. Um, if you send the email, the word growler, not hashtag Bengals Growler Bet or anything like that, the word growler needs to be in the subject header. That's how I search it to find everyone's answer. Okay. Jay, this week's growler bet. Time of last lead change yep. in the game. Okay? Could be a close one. Maybe it's not. Maybe you don't think it will be. Time of last lead change in the game. Uh, we're going to give a three-second buffer in either direction. But, of course, we have to have our misnomer with these. We like this one. We like doing this one. So we've learned in the past, if you pick within the last 10 seconds of the game, then you have to say the yardage of the play slash kick um, that wins the game. So, that in mind, Jay, what is your answer? So, need to clarify here, not necessarily a lead change, but the, the time that the team takes the lead for good because it could be yes. could be the first score yes. of the game, and that's not technically a lead change, and that's Correct. kind of the way, that's the way I'm leaning here. Um, I, I think... I, I don't think you're going to see a comeback in this game. Um, I, I'm going to go 11:46 second quarter, very, very early. Wow. Jay says they take the lead early, build, and run away with it, or at least hold on to it. Okay. Some team does. That's true. That's true. You didn't specify who. <laughs> um, 
I disagree. Mm. Um, I, I, <laughs> I said I did it last week. Uh, I, I'll say um, four seconds in the fourth quarter, remaining in the fourth Ooh. quarter. And I'll say my number, I guess, will be uh, 43 will be my number. Giving away my prediction for later in the game. <laughs> but that will be uh, my guess on that one. All right, run, pass, or boot. Jay? So we got a Chiefs-themed run, pass, or boot because really this, this offense can go a lot of different ways with what Mahomes is dealing with. So what will be greater? Chiefs rushing yards, Patrick Mahomes passer rating, or Travis Kelsey receiving yards? You know... The Bengals have done such a good job on Travis Kelsey. I mean, compared to others. I mean, he's on an insane playoff run. He's going to get his in some way. Um, I I think that they'll have a good enough plan to keep him relatively in check. Um, I think Mahomes will have a decent game. I don't, I don't you know, I, I, I do. Um so I'm gonna I'm gonna run with the Mahomes passer rating. I'm gonna pass which means uh, I'm going to pass on Chiefs rushing yards. And I'm going to boot Travis Kelsey, saying that that's the lowest number of those three. Uh, I'm going to flip it, and I'm booting Patrick Mahomes. I just think the chance for re-injury is there. Even if it doesn't happen, um, there's there's going to be some chances taken, and maybe the arm strength isn't quite what he's expecting it to be. This Bengals defense has a knack for taking the ball away. Um, I'm, I'm going to run with the run. I'm going to go with uh, Chiefs rushing yards. I think they're really going to lean into that as their game plan. Um, I'll pass on Travis Kelsey. Um, I, I do think the Bengals will continue to do a good job against him, but, I mean, he had 17 targets last week. He might get 17 against this again this week. He, he's going to get a few of them. He's going to get some yards. Uh, and then I'll, I'll boot the Patrick Mahomes passer rating. I just I, I can see a couple of picks uh, coming from – from just the mechanics being a little bit off due to the injury and uh, interceptions kill your passer rating. You are correct about that. And on that note, Jay, it is prediction time. Kick us off. Yeah, I said uh, early, the, the, the team that will take the lead uh, early in the second quarter and never give it up, I believe that team – will be the Bengals um, for everything that, that we've kind of hit on already. I'm just not buying that that Mahomes is going to be himself. And uh, Lou Anarumo's done a great job against him when he has been healthy. Now he gets him a little hobbled. Um, I just I think that the Bengals are going to take the ball away a few times. I think both teams are going to lean into the run a little more than what we're used to seeing in this game. Uh, Bengals get out to an early lead and, and hold on. And I've uh, – People have all of our predictions. We've been good with our predictions this year, but uh, some people have claimed that I don't believe any game ends other than in a one-score game because every prediction <laughs> we pick is close. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to go double digits. I'm going Bengals 27, Chiefs 17. Wow. You're saying they run away with it. Uh, okay. I mean, they are on that kind of a roll, right? I mean yeah. – they, they are on the kind of a roll right now where I don't think that would surprise you. The way that they've been playing, the way that they have when they've been on top of their game, been dominant, you know, on both sides of the ball. And the run that this defense is on, they're getting turnovers. 
you know, they get up and they they have the, this precision offense that just can both be efficient and milk the clock while scoring points. Mm-hmm. These high leverage red zone moments that have won games over and over again. I, I'm with you, but I don't see the Chiefs going quietly into the night. I, I don't see Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and this group not being able to put up a real fight. Let's not forget, all three of these games that the Bengals have won, including the only one in Kansas City that has them calling it Burrowhead, uh, they had a at one point a 75% probability to lose. The Bengals did. I mean, they have had to find ways. I mean, Jermaine Pratt ripping the ball out of Travis Kelsey's hands, arms at midfield, changes everything about the Bengals' win earlier this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the Chiefs going down to put it away almost. Um, so, uh, but the way the Bengals are playing, just what they have, the the role they've been on, how good they have looked when they've been their best, including last week, I, I don't... I don't. They just find a way, man. They keep finding a way, and I think they do it again. But I do think it's close, and I do think it's Joe Burrow leading a drive uh, in the last three to four minutes and taking them down, and then settling it down for McPherson to kick one. And just because they want all Bengals fans to get nervous about it, it's going to be in his bad range. That's why I said that number earlier. It's going to be in the range that makes everyone nervous. Where he struggled this year. McPherson from 43 at the gun. Bengals win 27 to 24 over the Chiefs is my guess. Because how could it be any other score? How Third game in a row. How could it be any other score? It's the <laughs> score that they play to. So I'm going to go for the third straight time. Yep, that is 27-24. Bengals win. Bengals go back-to-back. Super Bowls. And I'll add in that they play the 49ers, which you could probably guess if you listen to Tuesday's podcast being my my prediction there. I think the 49ers beat the Eagles. Um, and we get another um, sequel trilogy in a series, Bengals-Niners Part 3 in the Super Bowl. Is my prediction. I'm with you there. I, I had that on the uh, on our betting segment with Mo on Tuesday. I, I, I am a, all in on the Niners for that game. Yep. All right, everybody, if you are on your flight or drive to Kansas City looking to, you know, listening to this right now, thank you. Be safe. Uh, don't drive like Jay. Okay. If you're playing, no tickets, if you're playing no left, right, center, don't pass while you roll. Okay. Just uh, take it easy. Yeah, no tickets. May the, may the man miss you. May you be hiding behind another car who's going too fast that gets pulled over instead. Um, either way, be safe and join in, in, enjoy the game if you're going. And um, really look forward to talking to everybody on the walkout uh, on Sunday night and potentially talking about either a second straight trip to the Super Bowl or uh, recapping um, an early end to what has been a pretty incredible run in Bengals history. So either way, it's going to be fun, Jay. Uh, yeah, can't wait. We have done predictions and uh, – Wrapped up podcasts before a lot of very unimportant games. Uh, This will not be that. 
So looking forward to it. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. We will uh, catch you on the walkout on Sunday night. Have a good one, everybody. Thank you.